Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture of the last longer? <laughs> and the technology. Are you telling me you built a time machine? What about DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in L.A. And today we celebrate Halloween by comparing two vampire movies whose bark was definitely better than their bite. It's our tribute to Once Bitten and My Best Friend is a Vampire. These are the 1980s, not the age of innocence. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media Mobile app. And don't forget to listen to our podcast at the CLNS Media website. You can find it at at clnsmedia.com. That's right, baby. And as always, we plead. We beg. Don't make me beg. Make him beg. I'm begging. Sometimes we grovel. Please, if you love our show, share the links on social media. And don't forget to like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. I have to tell somebody... Why did it have to be me? Because you're my best friend. I need you. Oh, so I can lure young virgins back to your lair for a midnight snack? Hey, 80s Nation. Uh, this week, in honor of Halloween, we decided we'd compare two horror movies from the 1980s. The Thing versus The Fly. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Yeah, about that. Then we realized those movies were going to give us nightmares. 100% fact check true. So we changed course. Just a little bit, just a wafer-thin change of uh, plans. Actually, a gigantic change of plans. You're probably right. So instead, we're going to compare Once Bitten and the movie My Best Friend is a Vampire. Yeah, Steve, real life is scary enough to me, and horror movies just get in my head, and then I can't walk around my own house in the dark. So we chose these two movies, which are only slightly more frightening than Boo Berry, Frankenberry, and Count Chocula Cereal. Did, did you have a preference, by the way, on one of those cereals when oh, you were growing up? Count Chocula. All the way. Chocula, oh, yeah. Dude, come on. <laughs> if I had to pick a second place, it would be Frankenberry. Yeah. Booberry, no. Hard pass. No. Not I, happening. I'll eat, not I'll happening eat the kicks all. that I know you hate before I'll eat that. <laughs> oh, God. I hate the cereal, and I hate the band. Sorry, Augie. Actually, these two movies are far more similar than... I would have guessed when we picked them out. Like I said, look, Brad, let's just pick two movies that we haven't covered before. Let's let them be funny horror movies. Yeah. And so I threw these two out. I had no idea how closely they resemble each other. They're basically movies starring two actors whose careers are about to skyrocket. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. And both of these actors play horny teenagers whose friends are leaning on them. Their friends coerce them into shady liaisons with older women. Nothing will go wrong. I'll drive. It's a school night. Do it, nerd! Who just happened to be vampires, as happens. As happens. Yes. Happened all the time in Clearwater. I, I, I don't know how I avoided it. And here's the more disturbing part. They're both ridiculed by their family and classmates for acting like homosexuals. Some jokes just don't age well. 
unlike Lauren Hutton in Once Bitten. And that category, it just isn't funny anymore. So let's get started. I'm going to rep My Best Friend is a Vampire. In a nutshell, you're alive, but you're not alive. You're dead, but you're not dead. Did you ever hear the word undead? How about this one? Vampire? I hope you've heard that one, because that's what you are, okay? A vampire. I wanted to break it to you nice and easy, but no. Everything with you young people has to be fast, fast, fast. Get out of here. I know. It's a shock. No one wants to believe it can happen to them. I actually own this on DVD. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Let me qualify this by saying I didn't buy it. But back when I still worked at the Tampa Bay Times, before I moved to Orlando, and I was doing the podcast, like as a, as it was almost like a full-time part of my job. Was this I in addition to your some, side gig delivering groceries to scary yeah. old houses? That almost always turns out well. I got on some mailing list for, you know, like Shout Factory would send me a bunch of reissues and, or, or these oh, bunch sure. of movie houses would, would send DVDs. Like, hey, we've, we've reissued. You got a review copy. So I have like Morgan Stewart's Coming Home. <laughs> and I have My Best Friend is a Vampire uh, and a couple of others that I don't even remember. I think I might have given away at a garage sale. But for some reason, I held on to uh, My Best Friend is a Vampire. Vampires are like any other minority that's been persecuted down through the ages. Our reputations are a bit more tarnished than that. The movie came out, <laughs> I don't even remember what year anymore, 1987. Okay, so we're in college. You and I are probably not going to the movies to see this. So I'm assuming we both saw this either within the last three days or maybe within the, the first three years of it being issued on VHS. I saw this for the first time two days ago. Okay, good. Why is this happening to me? I've been good. No drugs, no alcohol. I, I do my homework. Why me? Look, try not to think of this as a handicap. <laughs> my best friend is a vampire, also known as I was a teenage vampire if you live in Australia revolves around a newly made vampire named Jeremy, played by Robert Sean Leonard, two years before we'd all know him for Dead Poets Society. I wouldn't say this is a 30-second elevator pitch, but I'll do the best I can to, like, condense it. Jeremy's your typical high school geek, something you and I can relate to, uh, with a job delivering groceries, which I don't think either one of us actually did, but I could see one of us doing that, no problem, right? Yeah, sure, you know. I'll stop down but I'll Although stop down at the IGA and pick up a few bags to drop off. I don't even know what that is. We don't have that in Florida. We have Publix, and that's about it. That and Winn-Dixie. <laughs> so anyway, uh, one day he makes a delivery, and he's invited back by the beautiful woman staying in the haunted mansion. Ding! <laughs> Clue number yeah. one that things aren't going to go your way. <laughs> so he goes home, changes into a suit, goes back at midnight because all parents let their teenage sons go out of the house at midnight dressed in a suit. On a school night. And, of course, he's seduced. He is bitten in the neck. And the next day he wakes up feeling a little pale and, and not so well, which is pretty much how you and I feel most mornings these days. Does that mean I'm a vampire? So. I'm here to help make the transition from your old life to your new life as easy as possible. For the next few days I shall be your tutor and hopefully your friend. Yeah, that would explain a lot. It turns out that he's not an undead vampire. He's a living vampire, which are actually good vampires. So he has a vampire guidance counselor who helps him through the ropes and helps him go after the hot chick, sort of, in the marching band that he has the hots for. 
whose name is Darla. And of course, Darla, all this weird activity. <laughs> Darla. And of course, all this makes his parents think that he's gay. I think you summed it up nicely. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to tell you how it ends uh, because either you saw the movie and you know, or I've just described half of it and you're not going to watch it anyway. <laughs> so Jeremy, played by Robert uh, Sean Leonard, he would go on, obviously, to star in Dead Poets Society two years later. It's not his first acting credit. He was actually in the Manhattan Project in 1986. Oh, okay. The Vampire Guidance Counselors, played by Rene Abergenoir. Abergenoir. I'm going to go with that. Who <laughs> was in a ton of 80s TV shows. And for people who really know me well, he plays a reporter in the movie Where the Buffalo Roam, the Hunter S. Thompson movie that stars Bill Murray, which was... My all-time favorite. Oh, you love movie that movie. From, I do. Most people probably know him now. He plays the security director Odo in Deep Space Nine, the Star Trek series. So, oh anyway. sure. Oh, that's why he looks so familiar. Okay, I'm yeah. like, I know yeah. I've seen this guy before. But here's the best part. I, I, I haven't mentioned this, but because it is a vampire movie, it cannot be a vampire movie without a vampire hunter. Because that's just like, well, let's put a pin in that. But okay, <laughs> that's peanut butter and jelly, baby. Playing Professor Leopold McCarthy is our old friend, David Warner, who we all know from playing Dr. Alfred Necessiter in The Man with Two Brains. And? For the longest time, is an ongoing joke between me and Brad, because we love to say, Dr. Hafar. It's subdural, not epidural. You kids think you know so much. I love that movie. Why have we done a show on The Man with Two Brains? Probably because there's not enough there. Well, we need to do a whole When can video. I see the rest? <laughs> yeah. Darla, the band geeks, played by Cheryl Pollock, who doesn't do much else in her career. She was in 30-something as a, like for an episode. She was in Head of Class. If you were a fan of the TV shows Whole High in the Heights, you would have known her a little bit better, but she seems to be largely retired now. Yeah. she. You know what? She looked the part. Honestly, I felt like she had a little bit of a Molly Ringwald vibe going on. A lot. Yeah. Would you go out with me sometime? I don't know. Maybe. You let me slip through your fingers and you'll always regret it. <laughs> well, okay. She was not getting good direction. I just felt like no. they were telling her to to say the word slowly as if she had never spoken English before. <laughs> I felt kind of bad for her, honestly. She was as stiff as the wooden stakes they were trying to drive into the vampire's hearts. Oh, that Ed Dellinger, Sark, was trying to kill her with. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot. I didn't even mention uh, David Warner and Tron. I'm an idiot. It's even written in my notes. I've really lost my touch today. There's nothing special about you. You're just an ordinary program. Here's my last takeaway, okay? First of all, bad soundtrack. There's only two songs in there that you recognize. There's an Oingo Boingo song, Same Man I Was Before, which nobody name checks. Great song, though. It's a great song. Then there's the horrifically overused and always uh, badly interpreted song by Timbuk3, The Future So Bright I Gotta Wear Shades. But, but, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about this movie before we get Brad's opinion, which I gather is not going to be positive. There are some amended weird vampire rules in My Best Friend is a Vampire. So undead vampires cannot be out in the sunlight, as we, as we know from most vampire movies. But living vampires, like Jeremy, can be. Undead vampires must remain in the dark, but you and I are living vampires. You will find that and other useful information covered in this. Vampirism. 
A practical guide to an alternative lifestyle? That is your Bible. Read it, learn it, live it. Aha! Uh-huh. They don't drink human blood. I mean, they can, but they choose not to. They drink pig's blood, preferably be negative, which is surprisingly full-bodied. Hmm. They still can't see themselves in mirrors. They still can't be around garlic. They tell us that one of the past presidents was a vampire. Without specifying who. <laughs> yeah. As far as the whole aging thing, for every decade, you age just one year. And most importantly, you cannot be turned into a bat. Oh, but they, they do turn into animals. Can they pick the animal? Dogs. And a cat. Apparently, they can be a dog and a cat. Not a bat. Oh, well. So, there you go. So, what did you think of the movie, Brad? Do you want my 30-second my movie review of this? I actually enjoyed this movie. It is super short, which makes it great for weeknight viewing because I got to get to bed because I had to get up in the morning. It's a slightly different take on the, the vampire genre. It's Is it? I don't know. I, I was thinking about it, and I kept kind of drawing parallels in my mind to interview with a vampire. Like, Yeah, but I don't know but why. Think about this. It's, think about this. Think about... 1979's Love at First Bite, which is a comedy vampire movie. Oh, gosh. And Lost yeah, Boys. Yeah, that's true. Lost Boys, which came not after. Not a comedy. Which, but, not a comedy, but, not a but, comedy. but funny. Kind of a so. horror comedy. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't have anyway. bad dreams from watching Lost Boys. But uh, I, you know what? Honestly, I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. I'm like, okay, I have to watch this silly vampire movie. And it is a silly vampire movie. Don't get me wrong. But it's still yes. it's enjoyable. It has some charm to it. And I think that is largely you can largely put that in the account of the lead actor who really kind of plays this role like what's happening i don't understand it i mean it's still goofy at times but he is he is likable in the role you see we're not all the insidious creatures you'd like to believe all we want is a chance to live in peace without worrying about someone trying to ram a stake through our hearts Bravo, my boy. Bravo. Right. Uh, the scene where he goes to the, the reliable all-night butcher to buy blood is pretty funny. Yeah. Two fifty-nine. Thank you. First time, huh, kid? When I watched it again the other night, I fast-forwarded to my favorite spots, and the butcher was one of my favorite scenes. I, I stuck with that. And then the montage that they, pl- that they do to the feature so bright, i got to wear shades, where, of course, he has to put on the shades just as they hit the chorus. Because of course. Just don't I mean, come on. Drive that nail that's how, far enough into the coffin. That's how video editing works, man. <laughs> yeah, it did in 1985. You know, if apparently, anyway. if you're a teenage vampire, you're going to stock the mini fridge in your room with as many different types of blood as you can. And your mom is Canned never going to catch you. Bottled blood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Beer you're going to face it all so the label faces out. Anyway, if you want to watch the movie, it's available for rent on Amazon Prime. This week's episode of Stuck in the 80s is brought to you by Modern CBD. We've been hearing a lot about how CBD can help with pain relief, anxiety, and sleep problems, and so I wanted to check it out for myself, and I'm glad I found ModernCBD.com. Their website is the leading site to buy CBD online. They sell their own line of high-quality, hemp-derived CBD products, and they offer other top-selling CBD brands that use USA-grown hemp. It's like Zappos for CBD. So convenient. I've been training for a 10K early next month, and I tend to push it a little too hard on the weekends, and Modern CBD's soft gels have really been helping with my muscle pain. I trust Modern CBD because the products on their site have passed strict quality control procedures with ingredients and lab results listed. Oh, sweet data. It's so delicious. It's better than B-negative pig's blood. And it's, it's <laughs> nice to see that level of transparency. 
We're always looking to set you up with a good special offer, and this one from Modern CBD is too good to pass up, my friends. Get 30% off your order plus free shipping. Now that's an amazing deal, but only when you use our code 80s. So go do this today. Go to Modern CBD's website, that's mdrncbd.com, and use our offer code 80s, that's 80s, to get 30% off plus free shipping. That's mdrncbd.com, offer code 80s. Don't wait. And we're back and we're talking about some of the more uh, humorous vampire movies from the 80s so that Brad and I can actually sleep on Halloween night and not be tossing and turning around uh, like I had the slumber. last few times. What's, what's the last really scary movie that you saw? Do you remember? Or do you mm. remember one from the 80s that really freaked you out for a long time and you still can't watch it now? I really just avoid horror movies. I don't watch them. I didn't watch them then. I don't think I've seen any of the Friday the 13th movies. I don't think I've seen any of the Halloween movies. I haven't seen any of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I just avoid that Oh, stuff. my God. It scares the you shit out of me. You didn't see Halloween 3? Season, Season of the, of the Witch. Witch. has that amazing commercial that you can't get out of your head. Uh, nope. Nope, I haven't seen any of them. And, you know, call me a wuss if you want to. That's fine. I can take it. I just, I have way too active an imagination. I saw, I don't know if it's Room 1408 or just 1408, the John Cusack movie. And I think yeah. it might have been like, it might have been like 10 years ago now that that came out. It's It's been a while. But that just goes to show what impact it had because I had nightmares for three straight days. Like horrific, <laughs> horrible nightmares. So, thanks, John Cusack. Uh, Thank you a lot. Good going, John. Jeez. So, what funny vampire movie from the 80s are you repping? So, I'm going to rep something that I actually did see in the 80s. 1985's Once Bitten. I can't believe you're willing to throw away our relationship on a one-night stand with a chauffeur and a butler and a slut who eats buttons. But you did. You really did. I think we can safely say this is Jim Carrey's first starring role. Oh, yeah. I mean, I looked at the filmography, his, his filmography, and the, the stuff before this I didn't recognize. So <laughs> I'm going to just declare this his first starring role. Jim Carrey stars as this movie's innocent high school boy, although not for lack of trying. Yeah. The movie opens with him trying to get into his girlfriend's pants at uh, you know some lover's lane parking spot, which is populated by uh, many other cars whose suspensions are being tested by the occupants. But it's worth noting that he and his girlfriend, played by Karen Copens, are in an ice cream truck. That's just creepy. If it's not a rule it should be, you are never getting laid in an ice cream truck. Because sure enough, some fat kid knocks on the window while he's trying to get it done. And it's like, hey, can you sell me a creamsicle? It was a creamsicle too, wasn't it? It was. That's that's sort of inappropriate. Now that I say that, yeah, I didn't really think about that until right now. So (laughs) let me just give you a little bit more of the plot here, although it will sound very familiar. So his friends are pressuring him. Oh, you know, you want to get lucky. We just got to go out. And so he and his friends end up at this club where he gets picked up by a, what, four or five hundred year old vampiress, the Countess, played by Lauren Hutton, who, in order to keep herself youthful and beautiful, which we all are hoping for as viewers of this film because she is not hard to look at uh, she has to drink the blood of a virgin three times before the end of halloween right being a vampire in the 20th century is a nightmare jim carrey's character quickly becomes her her mark and you know hijinks ensue 
Do you, do you come here a lot? Whenever I'm on the prowl. After the first and second uh, consumption of his delightful and virginal blood. How was he? Delicious. Are you positive he's a virgin? I haven't had anything this pure since the Vienna Boys Choir hit town. Mm. You just make sure he doesn't slip away. Uh, he you know, slips more and more into vampire land until... Am I allowed to tell the ending of mine? Well, the ending of... <laughs> At the last moment, he's pulled back from the precipice by his girlfriend, Robin. The simple act of just letting him into the pants that he's been trying to get into for the last four years. Right. Mark doesn't want you because you're mean and evil. He wants me because I'm nice and sweet and pure. So f*** off. The last 15 minutes of the movie, which I, I had not seen start to finish until yesterday. The whole last 15 minutes of the movie, I'm, just, I'm screaming at the television set, just sleep with him. Just sleep with him and this whole thing goes away. She, yeah. She'll want nothing to do with him if you just – I mean, you've been dating for five years now, I think, is the plot line. You're both facing horrific mutilation from vampires. Just sleep with him. After that virgin. Exactly. Although my, my take on it is like, okay, you slept with him. I'm still going to eat you. I'm still going to kill you. But I guess that's because I'm a mean I guess, vampire. Yeah, I guess they could have had the blood still. It would have, they would have still been a tasty meal, I suppose. But yes, you can tell there's there's a couple scenes in this movie that kind of I, I feel like were maybe extended to stretch time to get them past the ninety minute mark so people didn't think it was a Disney movie. Oh, it's eighty seven minutes. Can we talk about the dance scene? <laughs> yes, yes. There's a really kind of ridiculous dance off where uh, Robin and the Countess are basically fighting over Mark, uh, aka Jim Carrey, and it just it's ridiculous. It's I can't even describe it. It's, it's I can, amazing. I can. And I can. It is stolen straight from the pages of Greece, except for they're not doing the hand jive. That's exactly what it is. Oh, I. You know what? You're right. Damn, Spears, you're a genius. Well, about stupid vampire movies, maybe. I'll give you credit for that one. That's 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 a good pull. I had not drawn that line, but yes, it just is. It's crazy, and it goes on forever. Yes. It's 10 minutes long, if, if it's not a minute. There's a casting note I want to make. The Countess's clearly gay butler slash uh, chauffeur is played by the sheriff from Blazing Saddles. Okay, Sebastian. Out of the closet. I came out of the closet centuries ago. Very amusing. Come on, help me. Yep, Cleavon Little. Yeah, that's. and I was like, oh my gosh, that's who that is. I couldn't believe it. That's the only casting really of note. It's a lot of people you haven't heard of, except for Jim Carrey and, and Lauren Hutton, who probably got most of the salary for this one. Uh, the movie yeah. was originally actually written for – that part was actually written for um, Cassandra Peterson, better known as Elvira, the TV horror hostess, but I guess she thought better of it. Put down the cross, Robin. It only works in the movies. Besides, I'm an atheist. <laughs> That's pretty bad. This movie – yeah. This movie was also <laughs> retitled in various countries. Translated titles include Seduction Has Teeth for France, Virgin Boy Wanted in Brazil. I guess they got right to the point. I Love a Vampire in Argentina, 
just one bite in Hungary, which is complete false advertising because she wants three bites. Correct. And Kiss Princess in Poland, which just goes to tell me that I do not understand my Polish roots. Yeah. I will say this, and I think I texted you when I was watching it pretty much nonstop, which was, I'm sure, irritating you (laughs) tremendously yesterday. Because I was watching it at the same time. But at one point, I I think I was 21 minutes into it, and like... Just like My Best Friend's a Vampire, you're like 21 or 30 minutes into the movie and nothing's really happened yet. And I think I I proclaim that this is the unfunniest Jim Carrey movie ever. But he gets funnier after it moves along. But the first 45 minutes, he's just the straight guy. Yeah, and and the rubber-faced kind of antics start to kick in in the second half of the movie. Right. I'm and then not you start wearing to see a costume. Oh, I love your outfits. You want me to take your names for the best costume contest? Sure. Gavin Pierce, Jill, Sans Jack, and Mark Kendall, Vampire. I'm not wearing a costume. <laughs> that, that was actually pretty good. I really did kind of enjoy that over and over again. Of the two movies, is it the better one? Uh, I don't know. Let's talk about dream sequences. Both of them have dream sequences. <laughs> if I had to pick a beginning to this bizarre story, I guess it would have to be the dream. Yeah, definitely the dream. That's when it all started. That's me, Jeremy Capello, sitting inside the tuba. If I appear disoriented, it's because I don't know how to play a tuba. That's true. You know, why don't more movies open with dream sequences? I guess actually that there's that one. There's uh, Risky Business. Risky Business. Well, when I say that one, I mean my best friend is a vampire opens with this dream sequence where he's just kind of narrating this bizarro circumstance where he like, oh, I'm going to go take a shower with this girl. But then it's another girl. and It's, it's fantastic. Which but is in, pretty much exactly the same as either Valley Girl or uh, Risky Business. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know, you should always have a shower in your 80s dream sequence. That's a known fact. But in right. once once bitten, they're more like. I'm becoming a vampire, more traditional kind of, I am a vampire, and now I'm going to, you know, drink the blood of my girlfriend. And They're, they're super campy. It is super yeah. campy. It is, it is way, if, if I can even say this with a straight face, my best friend is a vampire, plays it a lot straighter than Once Bitten. Yeah. <laughs> vampire, did you say vampire? Oh, yes. Do I have some books on vampires? Goodness gracious. Just follow me. I think I'm gonna feel sound stupid saying this. I, I think the production value might actually be better on my best friend's a vampire. I mean, I think there's a, that entire fight scene at the end of Once Bitten. It, it's like uh, foam, oh. foam concrete blocks are being thrown at people. It's yeah, it, it looks Keystone like a, a high school. It's like a high school senior play. At the very it's, end. Yeah. It's like Keystone Cops meets, you know, we ran out of money because we spent it all on ice cream trucks. Yeah. You're too late. You couldn't have. You've been in there less than a minute. You could have. But you didn't have time to enjoy it. By the time this film was released, the writer, Jeffrey House, had blown through his initial earnings and he had to take a job as a video store clerk. One day a customer came in and said of this fine feature film whoever wrote this shouldn't be working in hollywood and he replied back you got your wish that is the best part of all oh uh, it, it can't possibly be true but i'm going to repeat it as fact because i read it on the internet you know what else you can read about on the internet the, the seggies. seggies 
Ah, uh, the Mystical Refrain, that is listener mailbag. We've got two letters this week. The first is from Chip McNamara. Brad, why don't you take this one? Here we go. So Chip writes, Hello, Stephen Brad. First, thank you so much for producing so much awesome content. I had a letter out on the air about seven years ago, and it was a true highlight for me. Aim higher, Chip. Aim higher. <laughs> this is my second write-in. And the second one we're reading. You must write good letters. When I saw the synopsis on my podcast feed this week, I knew what I was in for and that I would be writing to y'all. Once I saw Donna Summer and that it was a number two hit show, I knew exactly where we were going. Oh, Chip is talking about the episode when we did the number two hits of 1979. I got it. Okay. My wife and I were recently on the game show Beat Shazam. I'm 43 and she's 31. Our age difference made us a music trivia force on the local scene here in Richmond, Virginia. I was good with the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, and she took over with the mid to late 90s and forward, as well as the country music. She made us send in a video to apply for Beat Shazam, and I'm so glad she did. It was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Yes, this all ties back to Donna Summer. The whole experience of being on the game show was so much awesomeness, but I won't bore you with the details. I'll get to the point. We beat the other two teams and made it to the final round. We weren't going for the million, as we'd missed a couple songs in the last round, but we sat at $147,000. We could go for the final song and double our money, but if we missed it, our winnings would be cut in half. The category was disco, and being a math teacher, I felt like I had about a 60 to 70% chance to get it right. So the mathematical move was to go for it. I agree, Chip. That's the way to play the odds. <laughs> the odds favor standing pat. If you play the odds. I definitely was going to be the one to play as my wife was not a huge disco fan. As the final song play, I knew instantly that I didn't know the song. I knew it was Donna Summer, but it wasn't one of the five or six songs that I would have instantly known. I guessed Hot Stuff, knowing full well that it wasn't right, and that 220K plus just vanished out of thin air. Oof. The song, of course, was Dim All the Lights, a.k.a. Chip's $220,000 song. Whew. It's not that I don't think about what could have been, as we had a chance to win about $300,000, but we focused on the positive. We won $73,500, which is amazing, and we had the experience of a lifetime. Anyway, I just had to share the story as this past week's episode hit super close to home. God, I think I'd grind my teeth down. <laughs> Thank you all again so much for all the hard work and effort y'all put in. This podcast is amazing, and I look forward to listening to each new episode. Still stuck in the 80s, Chip McNamara. Wow. God, I don't know. I'm wrung out, and all I did was read the letter. I think I would have taken the money because I don't know disco as well. And Chip's like nine years younger than we are, so I'm pretty impressed that he felt confident enough. I know. Well, you know. Some people, some people like music right. from he's other right. eras. Well, if it was, it, plus if it was a choice of one hundred forty-seven thousand dollars or nothing, or nothing, <laughs> yeah, take the money. Yeah, you still get half that. So I mean, that's still it's not nothing. No, it's not nothing. That's I got a some... couple kids in college. I know where I could put that kind of money. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, man, that's exhausting. I, I'm going to try to take this next one because it's short. Thankfully, this one's from Chris in Spring Hill, and it literally arrived about. Two seconds before we started to record tonight. Chris writes, hey, hey guys, just want to let you know that Stuck in the 80s was my first online experience. Ooh. Okay. Mine was a lot different, uh, Chris, but that's, <laughs> that's neither here Chris. nor there. <laughs> Chris, use the, use the incognito browsing and you can find some very interesting yeah. things online. 
Chris continues, I, I started listening around show 25. Wow, that was a long time ago. And went back uh, to listen to all the others. You started my podcast crack addiction. I now follow and listen to more than 60 podcasts, all because oh. of your show. 60? 60? 60? Steve, uh, serious question. How many, podcasts, <laughs> how many podcasts do you listen to regularly? Do you actually subscribe to and listen to regularly? <sighs> like two others. I don't have time anymore because my commute's so short now. Yeah, I, I mean, can I count ours? Because I do, I, I will admit it, I do listen to yeah, ours when they post. In that case, it's three. I listen to maybe so. seven. Like 60. I couldn't fit them in. Oh. There's no way. I'm impressed, Chris. Chris I'm impressed. Chris, you're an Iron Man. Send, send us a list of some of these. I got to see what else you're listening to. He, he, he wraps up, thanks for all the entertainment you provided. Chris from Spring Hill, Florida, but also a transplant from St. Pete. Okay, so he moved up the coast a little bit. To Hernando County. I've not oh. been to, I guess I've been to Spring Hill. Wow, that's impressive. 60 podcasts. I can't Damn. get over that. I don't do anything 60 do times. Do you listen to them all? Like, are you completist? Do you listen to every episode, or do you, like, pick and choose? Like, you need to tell us more about this, Chris. I'm deeply yeah. curious. Are you, like, a long-haul even, trucker? Even, <laughs> yeah. Because even with my favorite podcasts, I, I, don't, I still pick and choose. I'm not a completist. Yeah, I'm a completist. Take that for what it's worth. The other one I listen to almost all the time is uh, Mark Maron's podcast. I think most people who know me really well know that. And they're probably tired of hearing about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, I count on you to tell me when there's a good episode I should listen to. That's one that yeah, I will spot yeah. check. I can feel the eyes rolling back in people's heads when I say Mark Maron. But uh, fantastic, though. He's a, he's a great podcaster. Anyway, if you have a letter for us, send it to podcast at sit80s.com. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for Mystery Movie Moment. We'll play a snippet of a movie from the 80s, and if you get it right, um, you're entered into a drawing for a very flat, postal-friendly bottle opener. Stainless steel, lovingly silk-screened bottle opener. Yep, with our logo on it. Pay attention, here was the clip from episode 521 or 2. Yeah. Anyway, here it is. I'm telling you, this is herpes we're looking at here. It's not going to go away by itself. I don't want to see Zimmerman's name in the paper ever again. I don't want to hear it on TV, and I don't want to hear it on the radio. I want this thing to disappear. Will you get that grease burger out of your face and get on this? I'm going to take this very much amiss. If you croak on me before the election, now get out of here. That's Turk 182. <laughs> and I, I get that that's a deep dive. And the only two people who got it were people who remembered that I'd somehow mentioned it once before. But the funny thing was it was on it was on Amazon Prime, I think, for free. Okay. The day that I was editing the podcast. So that's why I picked it. It was just on it was on the top of my head. Yeah, that's a deep pull. Yeah. I do like that movie though. So anyway, uh read the winners. Actually, I can read the winners because you read the winners, Steve. <laughs> Take a deep breath. I have the attention span. <gasps> P.J. Vreccia and Dan and McDonough. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. Is Mikey here? Who are you? I'm his father. Father? Are you the, are you the sperm donor? What do you mean sperm donor? I'm the kid's father. If you know it, email us at podcast at sits.com and tune in in a few shows to find out if you are a winner. <laughs> ah, the mystical refrain that is named that 80s tune. It's the original Seggy on Stuck in the 80s. 
we'll play a piece of a song from the 80s. If you get it right, again, you're entered into the drawing for the bottle opener. Bottle opener. The act, the uh, emphasis is on the last syllable. Pay attention. Here was the last clip we did. That's If Anybody Had a Heart by John Waite. Brad, do you know what movie this is from? Um, I know you told me it's from a movie, but no, I don't remember. <laughs> this is the oh, first wow, time in a really long time down. that you've picked, you've picked two clips that I had no idea. I had no idea what the movie was, and I really didn't know the song either. It's the closing song during the credits in About Last Night with uh, Rob Lowe and Jim Belushi. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have ever gotten that. Which is another movie that I'm obsessed with. So makes me want to move to Chicago. Chicago. It's just on the second syllable. At least get some so, pizza. I do love the pizza. I do love that town in general. Read some winners. Winners this week include Dougie Fresh in Frisco, Texas. Lou, sweet Lou, Grilly, Chris in Harrisburg, PJ Vareccia, Kevin Wench, and Maine's benevolent 80s overlord, Ron Raymond Jr. Spinzy wheel, Monsieur. Let's see who wins a bottle opener. Oh, I am feeling very spinny. <laughs> And looks like it's going to land on. It's Ron Raymond Jr. Okay. Oh, excellent. Ron, um, send us your postal address and we'll get something out to you. In the meantime, here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com. You, by the way, can find all our shows there at sit80s.com. We actually have a website and everything. <laughs> and tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. Wait, we have a website? Hey, <laughs> we do, and it hopefully within good time will be redesigned and be a little bit more functional. Woo. Hey, that's all the fun we have time for this week. We hope you celebrate Halloween with your own favorite uh, light horror movie from our beloved decade. But until next time, Brad and I remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app. Does that mean I'm a vampire? Yeah, that would explain a lot.